Hello, you're now listening to episode 53 of Doc Fermento Discovers the World. Today we're going to hear from Dr. Thomas Cowan. He's co-author of the Nourishing Traditions book of Baby and Child Care. He wrote this along with Sally Fallon Morell. Um, she's from the Weston A. Price Foundation, which um, I'm sure many of you are already familiar with. And previous uh, Nourishing Traditions books. Dr. Cowan also wrote The Fourfold Path to Healing. We covered on our previous episode. We had a very short time uh, period for this uh, interview. It was only like 25 minutes or so. And so we covered two things. Vaccinations and child's play. Two unique takes from Dr. Cowan. Let me know what you think. Thanks. How would you how would you let me know what you think? You go to askbrian.com. It's ask b r y a n.com. Click the podcast tab. This is episode 53 and the comments are open to any and all as long as you play fair. Unless you're a child, and then I'm just going to let you do whatever you want on there. Hello? Hello, Dr. Cowan? Yeah, hi. How are you doing? Good. Hey, so um, let's just get right into it then. We're going to be talking about the Nourishing Traditions Book of Baby and Child Care. Right. So what brought you to write this with uh, Sally? Uh, what brought me to write it? Uh, <laughs> there was just no, there's just the same questions that keep coming up, and there was, there's just no good place that I know of that you can find out about everything from diet and vaccines and uh how to treat children who are sick and, you know, all the things that have to do with children and we weren't seeing anything. And, you know, the same questions and I've said the same thing on vaccines over and over again. And so that's what got us to write it. Okay. And so, well, you mentioned vaccines. Let's, can, let's do two minutes on them. Because okay. you either have to spend your life learning about it or just tell us what we need to know. <laughs> so basically there's three issues with vaccines. There's um number 1, there's do they work? There's number 2, there's the uh, toxic things they put in the vaccines. And number 3, there's the immune system consequences of the vaccines. Okay. So number 1 is do they work? And there's some very interesting websites on this. There's an article in JAMA, which I can't remember where, I, where you can find that on the web, but there's even a chart in our book. The, the reality is if you look at, the, say, the death rate from whooping cough or measles or diphtheria or pretty much any of the vaccinatable illnesses, the, the reality is the death rate went way down almost to zero before the vaccines were introduced. And this was first described with rheumatic fever and strep throat back in the 60s. 
everybody knew that even though you use uh, penicillin to treat strep throat because it prevents rheumatic fever, we're told, that rheumatic fever basically ended before there was uh, penicillin even on the market. Mm -hmm. So this, this phenomena of diseases getting better before they were even treated for inexplicable reasons was, was well known before the whole vaccine thing. But then the same thing exactly happened with, again, measles, diphtheria, whooping cough, etc. And that some of the charts are actually in the, in the book. So the reality is, even though we say, oh, thank God we have these vaccines and now uh, half our children don't die from whooping cough, it turns out that the children weren't dying from whooping cough anyways before there was even vaccines. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is vaccines, uh, if you just put in attenuated, meaning killed virus, and inject that, it doesn't do anything. So you have to use what are called adjuvants, which are things that you put in the vaccine that are not the virus or not the toxin that, that get your immune system to react to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these is formaldehyde. It used to be um, different forms of mercury. Aluminum is another one. And the, the problem, people say, well, get rid of these toxic ingredients from the vaccines because we know that they're neurotoxins. They cause uh, inflammation, which creates problems in the nervous tissue, et cetera. Uh, th- this has been well known. And a guy named Russell Blaylock, who's a neurosurgeon, has written extensively about this. And so people just wonder why they don't get rid of these things from the vaccines. And the reason is, is because then the vaccines are not as immunologically active. So they don't get a response if they just put just plain polio virus, for instance, in a vaccine. Mm-hmm. So there's no way around getting away from these adjuvants and still having a vaccine that gives an immunological response. So in other words, we're stuck with injecting children with a bunch of neurotoxins and chemicals that cause an inflammatory response in their brain. So that's number two. And the biggest reason of all, the one that I've mostly focused on, is we have two immune systems. The first is called the cell-mediated or Th1. And by the way, we mixed up the Th1 and Th2 in the book, which is unfortunate, but somehow that got... Uh, the, the information is correct, except we call the TH1 the TH2, okay. and I don't know how that happened, but it did. Anyways, cell-mediated is TH1, humoral, meaning antibodies, is TH2, and whenever you have a naturally occurring illness, like, say, chickenpox, what happens is this, uh, the, the problem is the virus gets into the cell, and, this, and then in order to get, to clear the virus, you have to make a cell-mediated response, meaning white blood cells, etc., and they essentially destroy the cells to get at the virus and and clear the virus out of your system. And the repercussions of a cell-mediated response are fever, cough, um, mucus, rash, all the things that you have when you get sick with chickenpox. It's important to know that those symptoms which we call being sick 
In other words, if you get the flu or a cold, mm-hmm. you get fever, a rash, mucus, feel terrible, all that. All that is because of your immune system response. It's mm-hmm. not really because of the virus. Now, the virus, because it gets into the cell, infects the cell, it stimulates your body to make a cell-mediated response. That's true. But if you, for instance, use uh, chemicals to provoke a cell-mediated response, lymphokines they're called, uh, you can get, you, you will be sick. I mean, you'll think you're sick, the same symptoms as being sick, but no virus. On the other hand, if you in- infect somebody with a virus and you suppress their cell-mediated response, which say prednisone, you, you got an infection, but you won't be, quote, sick. I mean, you could even die from the infection, but you'll never have a fever or a runny nose. <laughs> the, the issue I'm, I'm saying here is that what we call being sick is our own cell-mediated response. And the reason we make this response is to clear the virus out of our blood. Now, once that happens, your body has evolved a, a system to remember that event so that you don't get it again. In other words, to keep the virus from getting into your cells uh, the next time so that you don't have to be sick. So, so your body remembers some of the proteins of this virus that you just encountered, and it makes antibodies to that so that if you ever encounter chickenpox again, you tag it before it gets into your cells and eliminate it before it gets into your cells Therefore, you have no cell-mediated, uh, you have no need for a cell-mediated response, therefore you're not sick. Mm-hmm. That clear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's what happens. You get chicken pox, you yeah. get a cell-mediated response, you get sick for a week or whatever, and then your body makes antibodies, so the rest of your life, if you ever get that same virus again, you clear it before it gets into your cell, and you don't even notice what happens, and you don't get sick. That's what happens with every naturally occurring infection. Now, for the first time in the history of humans, when you give a vaccine, you actually stimulate a cell, sorry, a humoral response without a cell-mediated response. Now, again, this is an intrinsic part of the vaccines because if you gave somebody a somebody's child a vaccine that it stimulated a cell-mediated response, you would just be making the child sick, and the parents would say, I'm not doing this again. You just made my child sick. Mm -hmm. The whole point of a vaccine is to stimulate a humoral response without a cell-mediated response. There's no way around that. That is the point of a vaccine. Now, the problem is, A, that's never happened to humans before that we know of, and B, that means you can't eliminate whatever that stuff that you injected from your body because you do that through a cell-mediated response. And the next thing that happens is if you, the theory is if you keep doing that over and over again, you actually do what's called a Th1 to Th2 shift, which means you shift the person's immune system into an antibody-producing mode because that's what you're trying to do. Now, the problem with that is if you make a list of the diseases which we have, 
that are characterized by a suppressed cell-mediated immunity and an increased humoral immunity, in other words, this Th1 to Th2 shift, you include all the autoimmune diseases, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's, uh, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, asthma, eczema, etc. Cancer, which is a failure of the cell-mediated immune system to a certain extent, which is why you can't vaccinate against cancer, um, and many other diseases. In fact, AIDS is a massive uh, Th1 to Th2 shift. All these are characterized by too many antibodies and a deficient cell-mediated immunity. So the question is, how did we get like this? The answer is, that's the whole point of the vaccine. Now, interestingly, the doctors will say, well, there's no research on this. Uh, there was a study in Japan, 2009, published in, uh, from Jap Japan's Kobe University Animal Lab. I don't know exactly where it's published. Mm -hmm. And they decided to see if this was true, so they took animals and they vaccinated them over and over again at the usual interval that humans are vaccinated. And here's what the conclusion of the report was. Quote, systemic autoimmunity appears to be the inevitable consequence of overstimulating the host immune system by repeated immunization. So... In other words, it's now been proven that if you want to get an animal to have an autoimmune disease, all you have to do is repeatedly vaccinate them at the interval that we do with humans. And you could say, well, this has never been done with humans, but, but it has. There's been 50 years of doing this with humans, and we went from a situation where basically nobody had asthma and uh, eczema and food allergies and autoimmune disease to about, you know, 10, 30% in the population. So we already did that with humans. Now we've done it with animals. You get the exact same predictable response, and there you go. Bottom line is, if you're vaccinating a child, you're provoking them to have autoimmunity. Now, that doesn't mean they all will. Mm -hmm. Uh, a certain percentage will, and a certain percentage you don't reach the threshold. But any time you, you, for me, because I also believe in freedom, when you when you about to vaccinate somebody, you should tell the ch the parents, I may be preventing a worse disease or you you to get this disease, but I'm for sure pushing your child into having autoimmune reactions. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do that, that's fine. If you think it's the, the chance of you not getting chickenpox is better than the reality of giving your child neurotoxins and pushing them in the direction of autoimmune disease, go ahead and do it. Yeah. And it, that's fine. That's different than saying, oh, there's no repercussions from vaccines. That's just naive and unscientific and frankly it's just to make money okay fair enough i wanted to do a show on an anti-vax an anti-vax show and i haven't done it yet well i just did <laughs> all you need to know right there okay hey what can give me some steinerism from the book <laughs> what have we gleaned from steiner for children 
Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like uh, playing, you know, structured learning. What, what are we doing with these little kids? Let them run around. Do we need to send them to preschool? You know, the most important thing I would say, I, I you know, I tell people that if you get into this too, the reason I wrote this book uh, was to have my say, uh, which is on page two hundred and three. Okay. A lot of the a lot of the book is Sally's writing. Some of it's my writing. Some of it's sort of mixed up together. But there's a, a little sidebar on page two hundred and three, which is called "Don't Play with Your Children." Okay. And to me, it's the most important thing I ever wrote, and I wish everybody would read it. All right. Uh, because what I what I say in there is that basically uh, adults don't know how to play. Children's, to, and I'm not talking about playing baseball or something. Mm-hmm. Playing baseball is kind of like a, a work. Like, that's the work of doing baseball. But I mean just uh, a child who's, the, the best example, there's a preschool that I learned a lot of these things at. It's in, um, uh, the woman is, I think, in Denmark, and she does workshops all over the world, and I took one of her classes. And it's so impressive because... Basically, the teachers there, they don't, besides giving, telling the children a story for a half an hour a day, they don't do anything with the children. Now, what I mean by that is the adults, for instance, they make clothes, they make applesauce, they weed the garden, they do things that are necessary for running their little farm. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things one has to do. And the children can can help with that or not, just depending on whether they want to. So if a child asks you, can I help make applesauce? You, of course, say, sure, here's the grinder and go for it. But mostly the children just hang around, climb the trees, make their own games up. The the adults never interfere with the children organizing their own games. They, you know, their job is to keep the children safe, meaning I'm not saying you let a child run into the road and get hit by a car, obviously, but you, you don't break up their fights. You don't tell them who gets the ball and how to deal with the ball. You just let them be. Hmm. There's a very interesting video they showed. They have a huge tree in the middle of their yard, and all the children love to climb the tree. Children love to climb the tree, but... The only rule they have is nobody helps anybody climb the tree. So if you're <laughs> six, apparently you can get to the top of the tree. And if you're one, you can't really get up very much because you're not strong enough and mm-hmm. you're too short, etc. So, But that's fine. Nobody says, here, do you want me to help you? Because, first of all, that's not safe. If a child can't climb on their own, they shouldn't be in the tree. Mm-hmm. If they can climb on their own, that's probably, they probably also know how to get down. So nobody says, oh, it's too bad you can't climb the tree. We don't put them in a jolly jump up and spring them up in a tree. You don't teach them how to climb the tree. It may take them a year and a half to figure out how to climb the tree. That's just fine. As long as there's no expectations and there's nobody saying one should, the children just walk around the tree for a year and a half. <laughs> they just talk about the tree, and I don't know. Right. I, I don't know what they do. 
and and I don't want to know what it's they do. It's not your job to know. Right, right, right. Yeah, I love that. Uh-huh. Because I, if I would only ruin it for them, and they don't seem to mind, and then eventually they climb the tree, and then everybody uh, breaks into applause and says, isn't that joyful that so-and-so climbed the tree, and then that's it? Yep. Even that uh, maybe is questionable. But <laughs> there, I'm not against celebration of doing something that's really important to a person. Mm-hmm. So the child climbs a tree, everybody says, hey, we're all happy that Joey climbed the tree, and then they get on with it. Yeah. And the children just organize themselves into whatever, what they, however they want, and it could be different every day. And this is so much different. It's such a patient way of growing up as opposed to, now you have to climb the tree, etc. Um, you know that's how we do it. Teach them to climb the tree. I I wouldn't teach a child anything. If I'm throwing a baseball with a child and he says, "How do you throw a curveball?" I'd say, "I put my fingers like this." Right. And that's it. If they want to know anything more, they can ask me. Well, would you do something with your elbow? Yes, you twist your elbow. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And the let the child figure out the world for themselves. Now, I'm not saying uh, that you don't, you know, present them with like a horse that, you know, somehow if they want to ride a horse, you, you help them find a horse. I mean, they can't do that. Uh, but it, it should, is, everything should be child interest, child directed. Child says, I want to ride a horse. Then you get them a horse. They need, I mean, horse, you need to be safe. So there's probably things about that. You know what I mean? It's just... I, f- I fully understand. Ne- I, I'm, I'm really feeling relieved right now. <laughs> they're never... <laughs> because this is exactly how I parent, and they, we have, me and my wife have a little difference of opinion on this. I'm a stay-at-home dad, and all I do is stay home. I don't do right, anything. The- I, don't, I don't interact. I got three little kids... And when they're home, I don't do anything with them. I just do my work, and sometimes they help me. Right, exactly. Now, I'm all for help. You know, if they want to help you, one should obviously do that. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. And and they can help you as much or little as they want. With yeah, no yeah. I don't have chores, rules. I don't, we don't have assignment lists. I don't have ex- expect, nothing, no expectations. Sometimes right. they help me stir stuff. They clean up the floor. Someone will volunteer to mop. Everyone has a different right. interest every week. Now someone wants to learn what bleach is. Um, someone wants to learn how to mop or all these little things. And then they come and go from it. And I don't care. I, I basically say I'm here to field dress the wounds. Then, exactly. <laughs> and that's my no, attitude. You, well, you also have to keep them safe. You can't have uh, people say, well, you mean they can run in the street. And no, I no, don't no. Mean we have rules. Uh, they're not allowed to go outside the yard. Um, my, my oldest son's allowed to cross the street because he's seven. The two that are, you know, four and five are not. And he did cut, you know, don't be an idiot. Let's use our common freaking sense and give them some room to explore this world, this tiny little world. Let them go a little bit. Yeah. And I, I'm even for me, the less toys, the better. Yeah. That children who grow, who are like this, they just never get bored. They always figure out a way to make sticks or forts or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And, yeah. and I'm not against 
like giving a child a baseball mitt who wants to play baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, that's fine. I, I wouldn't necessarily teach them. I wouldn't even put them on a team. But eventually, if they want to be on a team, and it's all coming from them. And, I mean, I like playing catch with my boys, and they wanted to play catch, so I played catch. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I, I think that's fine and not even against. I, I still don't think that's playing with my children. Yeah. They wanted to, it's like they want to f- know how to bake bread. Here's, let's do it together. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I would do. I love it. I'm going to get uh, my the book sitting in my uh, Amazon shopping cart, and I'm going to click buy now. <laughs> we'll go up a little bit. <laughs> Dr. Colin, I'm going to let you go because okay. you told me the yeah. most important thing you wrote. I thank you very much, and uh, maybe we'll talk again on down the road. Okay, take care. Thank you. Bye.